Welcome to Bench Reactions, an NBA podcast brought to you by only being here for the zipline. I'm your host, Patrick Hervey, and I'm joined today by Dan Lyons, Jason Lamprecht, and yes, the one, the only, Zach Burnham. What's up, guys? <laughs> the one, the only, so the weird. I mean, Zach, <laughs> the protector. I'm not going to finish that sentence. I thought you were going for John Cena for sure. <laughs> that would have been good. What's up? Are we doing okay? We feeling the feeling the energy? I know I know Jay's gonna bring it today. Got he's running about three hours sleep right now. Look at look at that uh, grin. That that grin the, is telling us that it's it, he'll, he'll the, find it. He's play himself. The vibes are great. The vibes are good. The That's energy the is the guy who hasn't realized he's thirty four <laughs> years old yet. Oh my God. <laughs> I definitely know it in this moment. I know it better than ever, but I didn't know it about eight yet, like eight hours ago. So, <laughs> yeah, this is what happens when you're part of the Dangerous Knights crew. You know what I'm saying? Slop, slop them up. All right, on today's yeah, episode, Blue Dolphin burned down. <laughs> we're I'm just really sad about Blue Dolphin. Uh, okay, on today's episode, we're giving our guy. Dime Zach, an opportunity to give some burning Burnham responses. And we're also going to play a game of something or nothing before we wrap up with Dan's Mud Pie moment of the week. But first, let's run through some news of the week. Really, there's only one news item here, boys, and that is the in-season tournament wrapping up this week. So we had both the semis and then we also had, wow, Jason is already wearing an in-season tournament lakers shirt how, did you get that overnighted from amazon or how did that how did that happen uh santa brought it early as they say about the coffee machine or the new coffee machine uh no um uh no i got this when i went to an in-season tournament game uh in la over thanksgiving uh oh. they gave these t-shirts to everybody it was just on the chairs it was wonderful so i've worn and this it, for it fits every like a glove. tournament game i mean you know you know yeah, it shows off my figure quite well, I think. I think so. Yeah. Is this all we're getting? Because I didn't ask Santa for this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. Well, I so so let's run through a few a few topics here, boys. So I wanna take a little bit of a step back in time before we celebrate the world champion in season tournament winners, the Los Angeles Lakers. Um Real quick, I mean, we went back and forth on the text thread this week about our guy Zion and his uh, performance or lack thereof in the absolute demolishing that the Pelicans took from the Lakers on Thursday night. What are our thoughts? Or was it fr- Friday night? Was it Friday night? Was it Thursday night? I don't remember what night. It was one of the nights uh, towards the weekend. But thoughts on Zion? I know uh, Jason's never been the, the biggest believer, but Zach, I'd love to hear from you. Where do the where do the Pelicans uh, go from here? Because it's been a, a bit of a snip snap season so far. All of the talent, none of the fire. That's what I get from Zion Williamson. The guy could be one of the top five players in the league if he just had that desire in him. And each year, I'm a little bit of a believer, but a little bit less. And it's really tilting towards Jason on the scale of believing and not believing in recent days. Uh, I believe in this roster. I think they have all the pieces they need. I know there was some talk in previous weeks about Brandon Ingram and his fit with Zion, and I I agree that it's not a perfect fit, but I think with the amount of shooters they have, especially with Trey Murphy coming back, speaking of which, I think he's a potential star, but we'll talk about that later. I think they have everything that they need to be an exceptional team, a contending team. They just need the guy to step up who is their best player, and that's Zion Williamson. He's not going to do that, and I don't I don't, he's not done that. And I don't think he's going to do that. She doesn't have it in him. He looks so incredibly out of shape right now. And I, I, I don't know, like, what do you guys think it's going to take for him to catch that desire? Is it, he just wants out of new Orleans or because we've seen it from him in again, granted very, very small spurts up to this point, but this is next level. I mean, he is like, there were a lot of, a uh, lot of shots of him on the court, you know, huffing and puffing and as, as he was trying to get up and down the court, he still had some bursts in the game, but to Zach's point, 
the Pels are only going to go as, as far, I think, as, uh, as Zion takes them, despite Brandon Ingram's, you know, best efforts, which he didn't have the best game ever either against the Lakers. But, uh, Dan, what, what how, how do we get through to Zion and, and tell him to stop going to Wendy's? I think we're going to have to partner with Wendy's on that one. We're like, all right, Zion, you know, you got to Zion Williamson <laughs> chicken salad. <laughs> Brought <laughs> exclusively by, from Wendy's. <laughs> No, I mean, I, I don't know. How do you how do you light a fire under somebody? Uh, I think Phil Jackson let Dennis Rodman go to Vegas for two days or whatever it was, like like during the finals. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know in terms of like what's what's motivating. Apparently, five hundred thousand dollars was really motivated to like multi millionaire LeBron James and 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 everybody, but Zion. Well, what's what's funny is that over the off season, right? He obviously trimmed down in body weight, and there were there were reports of him, you know, working hard this summer. But obviously, the conditioning isn't there, nor like the fire, the aggressiveness, the assertiveness, the like, hey, I'm you know the best player on the court, or I be- or he, like him believing that he's at least the best player on the court and shoving it down people's throats because that's what that's what he should do, and and we see a little bit of it. I guess my question is this, has he ever been in really good shape? Even at Duke, like obviously he was um, a coiled spring like everywhere, but you know, he, I don't have memories of him being like, Oh man. Yeah. He can like run forever. He can, he brings like a ton of the energy. I, I don't know what external source can, can do that for him. I would encourage you to go back and watch some Duke highlights. Cause he was like, I mean, especially compared to now, his athleticism was on a different level. And I sent out that, that pick to the group, the tweet yesterday of even him in a Pelicans uniform. Like, I don't know if that was like three, four years ago, but he literally looks like he's a hundred pounds lighter in the picture. So the dude's carrying, definitely carrying some extra LBs, unfortunately. Jay, any, any shots you want to take at Zion before we move on to the, uh, the, the bucks, the buckaroos. I mean, honestly, I feel like I, I feel like I have, like I have enough W's under my belt from last night that I don't I don't need to totally crow, crow about this yet. Um, I do want to say, I do want to say, I feel like my position of um, John Morant being uh, the, the, the should have been the number one pick uh, in the 2019 draft is still cooking pretty good. Um, though, honestly, both are obviously in like in a place of, of, of struggling. Uh, they're both sort of in the wilderness right now. So is Darius Garland making a case? Uh, we'll see, uh, but uh, yeah, that also that draft also has Cam Reddish and Rui Hachimura, both of whom I'm, I'm a big fan of. But anyway, yeah, I mean, oh, we'll get into I, Cam. Don't you worry. You said, I mean, you've said it all. Like eight, all of the times where he, I mean, he had LeBron James guarding. He was 39 years old. Um, he was LeBron was absolutely on one, but still, I mean, had he been running in transition, attacking in transition um, with all of the, the force that we've seen, he certainly could have had more of an impact on the game. But the, the I mean, as always, the worst part was the defensive end where he was just getting lost and not putting in any effort. And so, um, yeah, he's, you know, uh, for once, New Orleans might not be the problem with their superstar. The superstar might actually be the problem. So that's nice too for them. I love the double shots at Zion and, and, and New Orleans at the same time. It's a nice, nice touch. Um, I think, uh, I think what we'll do is let's maybe save the Bucks for a later segment because we're going to go a little bit more in depth about them and specifically about their defense. Pacers thoughts. Cause obviously they came up short last night against the Lakers, but, um, pretty, pretty amazing run in my opinion. I mean, they took out, so they, they beat Philly, Boston and Milwaukee all on their way to making it to the final. Halliburton was on another level. I'm sure you guys have seen the stats where he had a ridiculous amount of assists in those two games leading up to, in the quarters and the semis leading up to the finals and had zero turnovers. Granted, last night was a little little rougher. Uh, Lakers, you know, they definitely turned up the uh, the defense on the Pacers and it, it showed, especially towards the end. But just general thoughts on, you know, pr- thoughts and praise on, on uh on Halliburton and the Pacers in this kind of run that they've gone on. 
Pat, I think you should you should go first. You're the one who had Tyrese as your, uh, yeah, yeah, as your hey top five MVP pick. I don't I don't know if anybody else had him, so I think I think you should be doing a, a little bit of a victory lap right now. I'm feeling pretty good about it. I'm not gonna lie, I'm feeling pretty pretty good about it. Granted, last night again, he uh, they definitely put the clamps on him. It's interesting. I mean, we'll get into the Lakers piece in a minute, but it does feel like when you put somebody on him that can that can match his athleticism. That's that's a longer wing. It, it definitely gives him fits versus being being guarded by Malik Beasley in the Milwaukee Bucks game, and he was like barbecue barbecue chicken. Um, no, he looked look. I mean, he's 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 looked incredible this season. I, he he looks like a an uh, All NBA first team guy right now. Definitely All Star lock for that. Definitely, you know, at least in the MVP conversation, top five, which is where you know I had him uh, going into the season. So. I'm just happy for him. I'm happy for the, the the great people of of Indiana. This Pacers team is so fun to watch. They're probably at the very top of my list of just most fun teams to wa- randomly watch on a, a a random you know Tuesday on League Pass. Um, but to see them kind of put it together in a way that clicked during this in season tournament was really 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 fun. Their defense is still still leaves a lot to be desired, but their offense is electric, man, and they are they're you know the best offense in the league. And it's not actually super close right now. The way they push the pace, no pun intended, uh, is just it's it's an amazing brand of basketball. I know Dan loves that. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm happy for their run. You know, a little sad that they came up short, but I I always knew, and I, I want to get your guys' thoughts on like LeBron had a different look at his eye in that Pelicans game on Thursday night, where I was like, oh, he's they're gonna win, they're gonna win this thing, and maybe I shouldn't have doubted all along, like. He just, the way he was attacking downhill, he looked like he was 27 years old again, and then the dude's almost 39. I mean, has he turned 39 yet? I think he's close to it if he hasn't turned 39, but Jay. I think we'll... end of December. Okay, okay, so it's coming up. Jay, it's a celebratory moment for you. How are you feeling about your uh, your Lakers? A lot of pride, I'm sure. The uh, The vibes of the end of that game, well, really that whole game, and combined with the, the Pelicans game, both the, both of the, the games were just so like such exultation. Um, watching this Laker team play at a different level um, and cheer for each other. I mean, watching Christian Wood on the bench, he was like the cameraman's favorite cutaway, and that dude is just so stoked. Um, and played zero so minutes last night. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, and and. You know, made I mean five made five hundred thousand dollars for playing zero minutes, so I think he'll take it. it must um, be nice. That's some good dollars per minute stats. Um, look, uh, am I going to say that uh, that you know this is the tiebreaker between the Lakers and the Celtics? Uh, maybe. Um, just putting it out there, something to world, noodle on. World champion. over the end of the year. Let's wait till the end of the year to see where that's at. I'm not saying this is number 18, but like you could say this is like 17.1, maybe. Yeah, um, I think that's just realistic. Saying. I'm just saying, just putting it out there. Some people are saying, I'm not the one saying it. Some people are saying it. Some people um, are saying it. <laughs> <laughs> Some people are tweeting. I've got very few good things to say about LA right now, and it's not really about the Lakers, but they're going to take it yeah. in place of something else. So, uh, so I, I'm not in favor of 17.1, at least not right now. <laughs> Can I interest you in Nor 700 am I in favor million? Of 700 million. Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> oh my goodness, LA. What a what a day. What a weekend for LA. Just it was a it was a great day yesterday a great day. Uh, I will Thursday. say this is this could not have been better for the NBA specifically the NBA front office. I mean, it's almost like it was written in a in a in a, in a screenplay for a movie that of course LeBron James is going to win the first in season tournament, but we also got this team that you know was maybe like a play in type team or at least we thought so before the season running through the East and just like playing super well. And they're so fun and young and Halliburton turning into a superstar before our eyes. Uh, but then the, they still get the viewership from the Lakers, the LA viewership uh, there for the game, just a total win. 
in-season tournament's here to stay. And I can't wait to see how they even approve it over the years, but it's here to stay, man. And I honestly think we're just starting to see, sorry, sorry, Dan. Um, I think we're just starting to see the dividends of it because I think it's going to be very interesting to watch, especially the Lakers and the Pacers um, try to kind of like keep this momentum going. Um, You know, the, to, I think I, I don't think you can really um, downplay kind of the the coming together feeling um, of playing in these games and going to Vegas together and, um, and and for the Lakers specifically just being able to reach that level and have something to celebrate together. Um, just I the, I was really worried about this team about when it comes to their approach, their the way they played. They weren't playing with a lot of joy. They weren't playing with a lot of energy. And just this experience, I think, is a shot in the arm for them to the point where you know they're back towards the top of the West already, and they may go on a run off of this. Um, I think they may the first game might be tough because I think they might be doing a little bit of celebrating, and they like, kind of went all out all out for this. But they found something in these games, and I think the Pacers did too. That I think is going to translate for weeks to come. So I, I think the in-season tournament is actually going to like affect the outcome of the season in that way um it's great yeah in terms of finding something i think what i love for this pacers team pat you mentioned at the beginning they ran through you know philly they ran through the bucks they ran through boston so they ran through the absolute teeth of the best teams in the east and of course it's just the regular season in-season tournament all those caveats but still right now they know like hey we can hang with these guys they're you know we are going to to compete with them and also to, to Jay's point, the Pacers just play with joy. Hal Burton just plays with joy. He's so fun. He's so fun. This team is so fun. Absolute, absolute success for the NBA, the in-season tournament, the Pacers. It was just, it was fantastic. All right. Well, on that note, we are going to move on. We're going to give our, our guy, Dime Zach Burnham, an opportunity to respond to some of our takes over the last three to four weeks as he has been away on his R&R. He's back now. I'm a little afraid of what he's coming coming with today. I think he's going to bring the heat. No, so Zach's going to give us, uh, give us his top five responses here to some of our takes over the last few weeks, and we are going to sit here and just, you know, ponder over the things that he says and maybe we'll have some responses back to his responses so zach on that note take it away so a little special uh edition of burning burnham questions or the or the barbecue as we call them right with some burning burnham responses the last (laughs) the last four weeks have been incredible uh we had uh phil jackson-esque triangle with with jason Chase and Dan, we had a pick and roll, a perfect pick and roll. You could say a LeBron James, Anthony Davis pick and roll to the rim oh, between Pat and Dan. Uh, and, and some really great uh, just basketball dialogue. There were some awesome things to respond to. I chose only one thing to talk about, however, from each week. So we're going to go through the four weeks, the four episodes that I missed with one take, starting with our episode on November 16th. Go back and listen. It was fantastic. But in this episode, Jason, Chase, and Dan gave it to the L.A. Clippers. The baby brother, the L.A. team that I feel like I can talk about because they're not really part of the Dodger-Laker uh, Rams L.A. team triumvirate or whatever They're like the Angels. It. They're like the Angels, if you will, you know, or the Chargers. <laughs> exactly right. The team that just lost Shohei to the Dodgers, right? Angels, Ducks, Chargers. Thank you for recognizing the L.A. families. Oh. <laughs> So some of the things that were said, uh, Jason called the Clippers the Chargers of the NBA, which uh, I think that hurts that hurts Patrick more than me. Uh, Chase Chase gave like a big time mud pie to Harden and the Clippers, and uh, and then the next week Chase even doubled down on on how bad they were, and Dan said that he didn't know how they could turn around the ship. Well, guess what, guys? Over their last ten games, they're seven and three. Their offense has jumped from 22nd to 14th. Their defense is 6th and their net or 5th. Their net rating is 6th in the league. Overall, not just the last 10 games, for the entire season. Absolute uh, upward trajectory. And so my question for you guys, my burning burning question is, 
do you buy the improvement of the LA Clippers over the last 10 games or is it a farce? I buy the improvement. I still don't think it's going to be enough to actually do anything when push comes to shove, but I definitely think they're a team that look, I mean, they've got three future hall of famers. I mean, actually four, if you, if you count Russ, which I do, I know, I know there are other people on this pod that, that wouldn't granted again, where he's at in his career. Uh, I don't think you can rely on him for that, but I think that they, they have, they definitely have the talent to be able to, to put it together. And I mean, they're going to make the playoffs. I, I just don't, I'm not going to believe in them when push comes to show because of the injury stuff, because of my concerns about, uh, you know, their defense potentially. I know PG and Kawhi are, are, can be otherworldly, but when you have James Harden and some of the other guys that they do, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk about Russ. Um, so it's, it's, it's just a little rough. Um, I think, you know, I, the, the Nuggets game, I think is a good sort of indicator a little bit of this. Like, it took Jokic shooting nine for 32 in that game for them to pull it out. I mean, it was a very close game the entire game, despite Jokic being absolute poo-poo from the field. So, yes, I'm buying the improvement. No, I'm not buying the long-term sustainability of it. I think that maybe something I underestimated about this Clippers team was, frankly, their heart and their resilience. And to Pat's point about that Nuggets game, it took a just a big, you know, poo-poo from from Jokic for the Clippers to even be in it. But still, they you know guarded him as good as anybody has has guarded him. And maybe that game was more about you know Jokic's own shortcomings in that game than anything that the Clippers did. But they still had to come back, and they still had to show some amount of resilience. And that was something that I didn't buy about the Clippers team, especially early in the season, where I'm like, man, between like Harden and and Kawhi, I mean, Kawhi is obviously a champion and, and very good. Um, and Paul George, mainly, honestly, mainly it was about Harden and Harden in my head being like just somebody who just gives up all the time. I will say I've been impressed over the past over the past 10 games. Didn't think they had it in them. Do I think that they continue to have it in them? I want to see them face some more adversity, um, like especially on the court, right? Where against the Nuggets, they were down and they came back because the best teams don't run from adversity. They run to it and they relish the challenge. And so I want to see this Clippers team continue to relish the challenge. And do I think that they have it in them? My, my meter is a little bit higher. Or I would say it is higher than it was two weeks ago, but I'm not I'm not fully in like okay yeah they're gonna figure it out. But I'm okay okay should show me something and and we'll go from there. Let me just say one thing is something to monitor is the minutes of the stars. They are especially PG and Kawhi are playing a ton of minutes, um, and I think that's in part because they gave up most of their depth um, in the trade. Um, but yeah, they're in the high 30s almost every game. And for those guys, that's a little scary. So I buy the improvement because I think they're gelling. But um, long term, a little, little sketch. One point that was made uh, during the segment was how even if they got better, they have no leaders. None of the guys in that clubhouse. In fact, I think it was I think it was Chase made a really good point about how from the moment they brought Kawhi and PG and there was never that true vocal leader who could who could take this team to the next level and I still think they don't have that talent tends to find a way and so I think they're going to figure it out more as the season goes along and could be a scary matchup come playoff time but I I agree that I still don't see them even after their improvement I don't see them as a true contender in the west all right moving on to the November 21st episode it was where we first started getting some of our uh from from our guys ah. Pat, Pat and uh and Jason, uh, Jason, Jason led led the take. So this episode is where we, where we, uh, we gave uh, where our basically where our stock sat with some of our preseason picks. Our what was it called? Our 12, 12 game takebacks, I believe. Yeah, something like yep. that. <laughs> yeah. So on the uh, I'm sticking with it segment, Jason, and then Pat uh, joined him in this. In this was he was sticking with the takes on the Hawks. The preseason takes on the Hawks being Jason for Jason, a top five team, 
Uh, I don't know if yours was that was that uh, solid for them, Pat. But top five uh, in the East, in the East, five, not in the top East. Five yeah, overall. you're right, right. Yeah. Uh, we talked about positive regression for Trey, who was just started the season shooting terribly. Um, talked about how they had a top five offense. Well, I'm going to throw out there: they still have a top five offense, and somehow they have a negative net rating. Since that podcast last three weeks, they've now fallen to nine and twelve. Where does your stock now sit for these guys? Who are they, and what is your over under on not them just making the play in? But making the playoffs, the final eight. I feel like I go. I'll go on this one, uh, at least first. Um, you know, I mean, here's the thing. Yes, they. Uh, I, I'm not feeling super, super great about the top five in the East thing, but I still feel decently about them uh, making the playoffs. Uh, they're, you know, their their point differential is basically even at this point, um, even though they're nine and twelve. Um, and you know, I mean, they're they're still right in the mix in the play-in. And they're they're tenth in the East. Um, that I, I, that positive regression hasn't hasn't quite hit yet. Um, but I don't think it's I don't I you know I don't think it's dire enough to abandon ship quite yet. I think they're around five hundred when we had that episode. So a little bit of a small sample size, a little bit of a slide. Um, but I still I mean, if you just look at the teams that surround them in the play-in. Like right now, um, you know the seven uh, or the, the the matchup would, would be with the Heat, which a little which is a little rough. But if it shakes around a little bit, it could be the Nets, um, uh, which is certainly a game they could win. The Knicks, who knows? Trey loves playing the Knicks, so I'm 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 not abandoning ship, but uh, I I I am kind of my patience is starting to wane when it comes to uh, this team going on a run. Yeah, if they're still in this similar place 15 games from now, then I will definitely abandon ship at that point. I'm not ready to completely dive off the ship yet, but I don't feel great, especially recently. They've been on a little bit of a slide, to your point, Zach. Um, yeah, I mean, my my fear with this team will continue to be their defense. They have the talent to be, I think, a top-five team in the East, and that's where my take was coming from, and I think Jay can relate on that at the beginning of the season. Unfortunately, they just appear to be the same exact team that they've been for the last three years. Trey, too, I mean, if you look at his stats, they're basically identical to how the rest of his career has played out up to this point. So my hope was that under Quinn's regime and his coaching that he would be able to take things up a notch. But it appears that uh, that may not be the case. So I don't feel great, but I'm not ready to completely give up yet. And I don't think we should give Dan an opportunity to respond to this because he's just going to gloat. All I have to say is I am shocked. Shocked, I tell you. <laughs> well, not that shocked. Also, the only, the only other thing that I want to say is my Hawks stock short is looking great right now. Can I just read off the last few games of the schedule? Because it's been brutal. It was, like This is going back from the earliest to latest. Celtics, Cavs, Spurs, which they won. Bucks, Nets, Sixers. It's like all of the best teams in the East in like a five to six game stretch, and they lost all of them except the Spurs game. So and they barely beat the Spurs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know what I hear, Jay? Wow. All right. Well, on November twenty sixth, Dan and Jason, sorry, Dan and Patrick. Hey, Dan Patrick. <laughs> you like that? You like that? <laughs> you like that? They uh, they were talking about the Raptors, and Pascal Siakam's name came up with trade options, and then they said something along the lines of, oh, Zach will come up with some options. And as soon as GM Zach heard that, you know I had to deliver. The antennas went <laughs> off. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. So, <laughs> so here we are with three potential trades for Pascal Siakam, and I want you guys to tell me which you're taking, both like most realistic and which one you'd most like to see. Oh, maybe they go hand in hand. So first, we have Pascal Siakam to the Philadelphia 76ers for Tobias Harris, an unprotect the unprotected 2028 Clippers pick they just got in the Harden trade, and a 2030 lottery pick. It seems like a lot, but when you see what the other teams are offering, you understand why there's two firsts in this deal. Second trade is Pascal Siakam to, you better believe it, the Oklahoma City Thunder 
for Josh Giddy, Usman, Usman Jang, Trey Mann, Davis Bertans, and a 2025 pick, which is either the LA Clippers pick or the Houston Rockets pick. Protected once for 10. Last, Pascal Siakam to the Dallas Mavericks. I think this one's the spiciest. For Omax, Jalen Hardy, Jaden Hardy, THJ, Rashawn Holmes, and a first round pick, unprotected. What are we thinking, guys? Wait, can I ask a question really quick? Of course. Does does Canada extradite? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh let's assume I'll take Josh, my, Josh, I'll take Josh my he's like, yes, I'll, yes, please, yes. I'm in. I'll take my I'll take my answer off the air. <laughs> let's uh let's for for sake of uh basketball conversation assume that um she was over 18. Everything's going to be fine in the end. Just so we can we can we can get past this. Because yeah. that's a rabbit hole. I ha- I did consider it when I was doing this, and that's why the trade ended up getting Usman Jang instead of Poku in the deal. Because mm. they got to they got to sort of buy into that uh, that problem. So what are we thinking? Let's go. Let's go. I'll go to you first, Dan. Which one do you like? Man, all of those are actually pretty good. I was thinking about Siakam in that front court for the Thunder um, with uh, with all their youth and having a little bit of veteran experience there, especially in the front court. That's tasty. That's really, really tasty, especially when the Thunder are, you know, they're not up and coming. They're here this season, right? They're, they're looking like they could, they can contend in the West. And so uh, moving on some, from some, uh, shall we say problematic situations to uh to Siakam. Uh I think right and, and Siakam I think it will will fit in just really well already with, with what he does. He's gonna have to play make less. He can contribute on on defense as well. He's not gonna take away from Chet's development um at all. And he'll fit pretty seamlessly I think with with the backcourt with Shea and everything. Just having that load off of him I think will will be a boon to his efficiency. And so that one jumping out, obviously the Mavericks could, could use him as well uh, to your point about it being spicy that they could release it. But I, I kind of like it for the thunder to steal it from Pat. <laughs> Stealing my thunder, man. I, I wasn't going to say it. I just don't know how I feel about Siakam these days. Like I, I mean, it's been a down year, a little bit of a down year for him. Um, there are things that, you know, he definitely brings to the table and that he's really, really good at, but I just don't know what kind of team he fits best on. And I, I do worry about kind of the redundancy that he brings to a lot of these teams with his kind of downhill attacking preference, like, you know, him and Shea on the same team. He's not a guy that you can really kick out to me shooting like 20% from three this year. So I definitely would worry about that. Um, I think his playmaking is good, but you know, Giddy all <laughs> problems aside, I think is definitely up and coming in that uh that regard and could potentially be better than him at that. The Philly the Philly trade is interesting just because I definitely think that uh our guy Daryl Morey he's not our guy, sorry, Daryl Morey is going to want to bring in a guy like Siakam, maybe in free agency. Um so that's a, a great non-answer for you guys. I and in the Dallas one, I just be I'd be worried about the amount of depth that they would give up on a team that's already relatively thin. Um, so I don't really have an answer for you guys, which I know is super helpful. I probably I I think that the Thunder one probably makes the most sense. Um, but I'm at the point too where I'm like, I just, is it is that a lot to give up? Is that too much to give up for Siakam? Like he's an you know he's an all-star caliber player, but does he really elevate? a team like the Thunder beyond where they're at now, or is it kind of a, you know, you're trading a bunch of parts for one guy and ultimately doesn't have like that significant of an impact. I honestly, I'm not, uh, are we talking about like which package you would choose if you were Toronto or just which one you want to happen the most? I'll, uh, I'll leave that up to you. Let you me interpret that. How to okay. read it. Yeah. I think if I honestly, I actually think my answer for both is the same. Um, which is the I like the I like the Philly one, obviously. Like I love the idea of a twenty nine year old Siakam uh 
uh, moving into like just fitting right into uh, Tobias's role, but doing way more stuff and doing it better and being better defensively. Um, and I like that package for uh, Toronto because it's two two firsts and uh, and they keep that big chunk of uh, cap space because Tobias is expiring. So um, I like that for them. They clear the decks. They get two picks. Um, Joel and 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 Maxi get their third banana. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm a big big fan of that deal. But I would also love the Dallas deal like for the league because Luca needs help. Plus the Cameroon connection between Joel and uh, and Siakam, right? That'd be fun. I know they're they're fellow countrymen for sure. I think uh, Maury might be able to get DeRozan for maybe only one pick in Tobias, and that is also a good fit. If you're just going to go for one year, maybe you only want to give up one one pick. But Siakam is a guy who they could ostensibly try to re-sign uh, in the offseason, and he's younger than DeRozan, so I don't know. All right, <clears throat> my last question from last week. Uh, as we all know, we had some, uh, some very interesting things that went on in this last week with the College Football Playoff Selection Committee. But what you didn't realize is that that same committee – took part in the Bench Reactions podcast and chose teams like the Philadelphia 76ers over Florida State. I, I mean, the Orlando Magic. Over Liberty. I mean, Florida State. And by that committee, I mean Patrick and Dan just totally, totally taken. Not Patrick and Dan. I did it again. Patrick and Jason. Take Dan down Patrick. Dan and his beloved <laughs> Orlando Magic. And uh, and I just want to throw it out there. Jason even made, when talking about the, the Western Conference representatives, even made a comment about, well, Murray might be hurt. So what, do we really want a team like Denver with less quality? Just channeling that, that committee. Terrible, terrible committee. Um, and, yes, the Sixers are Alabama in this situation. Yeah, that's how I feel. <laughs> My question, though, is we've now had a week since then to think about this, watch the teams a little bit more, and sort of reconsider where we stand. And if we side on the, on the side of liberty and justice, or if we are just and giving the American in the way. dictatorial rule. <laughs> no, but really, uh, over the last week, have any of your takes, have you reevaluated any of your takes? Would you choose anything different? Orlando Magic are 10-4 and four in the conference compared to 13-7 and seven for the Bucks. Uh, 10 to 5 for the Sixers is about the same. I know the league loves its stars, but the Orlando product is generally just better than the Bucks. Maybe not better than the Sixers, but most of the time better than the Bucks. Uh, and then I'll also add, uh, we were, we're, you guys were pretty unanimous in the Timberwolves getting a slot because they're the number one team in the league and how well they've played. But basically all of the arguments you have for having the Wolves in apply to the Orlando Magic. Defense first team, mediocre offense, younger, up and coming stars. Uh, so, any changes, any reevaluations with with a week to to reconsider? It'd be it'd be great right now if Dan was like, I've reconsidered and I, I no longer want to include the Magic <laughs> playoff. And you are, and you are free to do so. My bias notwithstanding. <laughs> Let me put it this way. Absolutely not. Orlando Magic forever. <laughs> oh man. I mean, I'll go real quick. I I, I I'm, you're probably gonna get a good non-answer from me again. I just again Perfect have not, answer. I haven't loved what I've seen from the Bucks. I, I think it's fair to include the magic if we're just going off of this first part of the season. Again, I'm all, I'll say the same concern that I had last week, which is I just I don't think that this is sustainable. I don't think they're going to be the second seed of the East when all is said and done. Prove me wrong, Orlando. I would love to see it. But I think I'd be fine going Orlando and Boston. And then in the West, if we're going to take the same kind of rationale there, you probably have to go Wolves and Thunder at this point. I was trying to be as unbiased as I possibly could. Last week, but getting the thunder in, sort of just I mean, those guys in there. You got to oh, do we're it. The magic, we're getting in the thunder. It would be huh? f- fun playoffs, no doubt about it. I think Boston might just kill everybody in, <laughs> in the playoffs, but um, yeah, we'll we'll sneak the thunder in there, especially with uh, Denver's recent slide. They're now the four seed after losing three straight, which we'll talk about here in a minute. 
Yeah, I think the big change for me is that we have to like kind of reconsider Denver's. We kind of were giving them a, a pass for being, you know, third or fourth at the time because they're the defending champs and they've got their stuff going on. Um, you know, starting to lose a little bit of the benefit of the doubt um, as much, um, especially because Murray's back playing again. But I, I'm not going to change anything. I don't think we've seen anything happen this week. The Magic certainly haven't done anything this week to like prove us wrong. They lost to the Cavs and then beat the ever-loving poop out of my beloved Pistons. Um, what is that? They never die. <laughs> Who um, hasn't? But, <laughs> um, but yeah, that is not that is not a those are not that is not a quality win for the committee to consider by any means. Also, I love the idea of treating the Nuggets as Georgia. In, in, in this in this scenario, because <laughs> screw them. <laughs> well, thanks guys for hearing my responses. Now I just have one final response to make to last week's episode. A little soapbox stand going away from basketball, but there was a little bit of a of a shade thrown at the belief in Santa Claus last year, specifically thrown at Daniel. And I stand with my man Dan. People throwing the baby out with the bathwater just because the truth didn't fit the narrative. But I ask you, are your stockings still filled on Christmas morning? Is the joy there? Just because your mom and da- or dad plays the role doesn't mean Santa doesn't exist. It's a title. And I find it even more meaningful that I get to grow up to be Santa Claus and give that joy that I received as a kid. Santa's real just because it's not exactly what we thought. Believe. I believe. Give me the Ted Lasso sign. Believe. Believe, yes. I'm ready to Zach, run through a wall. Dude. Let's go. Yeah. I'm ready to drop down the <laughs> chimney right now. <laughs> okay, you know what's funny? It's actually that night I watched the old uh, Miracle on 34th Street for the first time. So good. And oh, dude, it's so good. I had just never seen it. It's never caught I've never it. seen it. I, I changed my what? life. Absolutely oh. believe in Santa Claus. And it it actually makes the point exactly that Zach is making. So incredible stuff. Love Great it. Timing. Love it. Oh, man. Yeah. Just Dad, like just like Buddy the Elf yes. taught us, man. You just gotta believe. Just you gotta believe he's there. That's right. The best way to spread Christmas amazing. cheer is singing loud for all to hear. All right. That was amazing. Thank you. I feel uh, I feel rejuvenated. My my belief in Santa and my belief really in humankind. So thank you, Zach, for restoring that. All right, boys, we're going to move into our next segment, which is called Something or Nothing. We're going to do this in a little bit of rapid fire format. This this segment is really as straightforward as it gets. Uh, I've got some topics that I am going to throw out, and I'm gonna I'm gonna choose one of you to respond to each of these. Um, I just need you to tell me whether you think this is something or nothing, and if you want to give obviously a few thoughts to back that up, um, that would be great. So something would be you know you think there's something to the topic. It's potentially indicative of something greater. Nothing is you don't think it's very impactful. You're not worried about it, moved by it, et cetera. So let's go ahead and, and jump in. Uh, Jay, I'm going to throw this one to you first. The Chicago Bulls have a four-game win streak, all while Zach Levine has been hurt. Something or nothing? Something. The power of spite. Let's the go. The power <laughs> of chemistry, commitment, defense. Kobe White showing out. As maybe a, a, a guy uh, next to my guy, Alex Caruso. Winning players win games. Yep, the Chicago Bulls' best success story, Alex Caruso. Right, Jay? <laughs> they will be hearing from our lawyers. <laughs> there was a tweet yesterday from somebody linked to Chicago basically saying, like, the, the Chicago is hesitant to trade Alex Caruso because they see him as the best success story of this regime. And I'm like... What are you talking about? It's a Lakers success story. Come on now. Unless you want to count them prying him away. But yeah, I like I like the something take there. I, I think, unfortunately, for Zach Levine, he's probably punching the air somewhere right now going like, I made this trade demand. I immediately went out hurt in quotations, and my team is a lot better than they were before. So this is not helping me at all. Um, in, the words all right. of, uh, Sam, in the words of Sam Richardson, get him out of here. <laughs> he's, he's got to go, but he has no trade value. He hurt I know, I know. It. Oh, it's it's so incredible. Bad. It's so well, bad. Poor gigantic guy. Gigantic contract. 
and injury history and the <laughs> lack of effort on defense. <laughs> Bulls are one game behind the Hawks, by the way. Oh, so no. there's some, some <laughs> yes. conflicting, yeah. some conflicting to, takes there. <laughs> we need to come up with a good sound to represent the Bulls like we have uh, for the Hawks. <laughs> so think on that, Jay, for next time. All right, we're going to move over to uh, to Dan's going to take this next one, obviously, because it's about the Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz lost to the Mavericks. This is not a typo. 97 to 147. And their head coach, Will, Will Hardy, called it, quote, a masterpiece of dog you-know-what, end quote. Dan, something or nothing? Um, do I have to answer this? <laughs> Am I I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready for this. <laughs> Um, I think that this is something, and this was the last shovel of dirt on my the Utah Jazz playoff series take. Oh, <laughs> and I, man. I want this. I want this to be the Utah Jazz's "What Is Dead May Never Die" moment <laughs> from. From this season, Jay, am I using that right? I still, after 18 years, I don't know if I've been using that phrase right or not. But um, unfortunately, I do think it can get worse for the Jazz. And so uh, this uh, that was not good. That was not not good. Uh, the, the Jazz are not a good. <laughs> They're not a serious basketball. What's the meme? They, these are not serious people. <laughs> you are not serious people. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's rough times in, in Salt Lake City. I, 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 yeah, I has yeah. been hurt though. Yeah, for the last like couple weeks. So I guess take that with uh, a grain of salt. But sure, then then we would have lost 147 to 106. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> is is Lowry hurt or is he Zach Levine hurt? Ooh. <laughs> Get your Impressed dirty you. paws off to this. Of, <laughs> <laughs> your dirty paws off of Lowry Marketed. Uh, just got one thing to say, man. <laughs> Open those phone lines. Low, low prices. All offers welcome. <laughs> Buy or sell here. Going out of business. Oh my gosh! Oh, incredible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So good. Yeah. So good. Well, I'm sorry, Dan. We're we're very sorry for your loss. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna keep things a little little negative here. We're gonna go to our guy Zach because I know he was very high on this guy uh, coming into the season and. It's it makes me sad to say this, but Scoot Henderson, granted again, it's only twelve games played, so we gotta keep that in mind, but he's currently shooting thirty-four percent overall, eighteen percent from three. Zach, something or nothing. Well, I responded uh, to some of your guys' takes from the last few weeks, so it was only appropriate that I take the opportunity to speak to one of my own takes, as I predicted uh Mr. Scoot Henderson to win rookie of the year. And that's not gonna happen. Um, (laughs) look, I think this is, I think this is actually something, even though it's only 12 games for two reasons. One, a lot of rookies this year are playing really, really well. And even if they aren't putting up, uh, eye popping numbers or being super efficient, they're showing the signs that rookies are supposed to show. Bilal Koulibaly, Brandon Miller over in Charlotte, obviously Chet and, and Victor, and then sitting there all alone on his island of it's not even an island of mediocrity. It's worse than that is, is Scoot Henderson. Um, the second reason why it's something is that confidence is a real thing. This guy is built on confidence. I would like to think he's like Ant and he's just going to rebound from it, uh, have a better second half like like Jaden Ivey did last year and build off of that. But uh, you never really know with these guys uh, to, to struggle this bad. I think it's something, but it could be something that ignites a fire or it could be something that puts out the fire time to tell no no comments it's just it's all very sad it's again it's only 12 games so hopefully he can he can turn around he's very very young still so i have faith all right jay we're going back to you on this it's right that's right goonies never say die hey you guys uh all right we're going back to uh jay on this one if you want to start howling at the moon here jay minnesota currently has the best overall record in the league and the best defense by a lot. Something or nothing? This is everything. <laughs> These, uh, everything everywhere all at once? <laughs> exactly. Um, 
uh, when it comes to our, our preseason teams, we love the Wolves or the Anti-Hawks. Um, they're absolutely oh. going over the top. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you sent you sent out the the stats that Rudy Gobert is putting up. He's playing about as good a basketball he's played in his, his entire career. Um, I I've always been sold on the defense. That was the that was what got my attention even last year um, was how good the perimeter defense was with Jaden McDaniels and Anthony Edwards. Um, and I think it's I think it's something I think it's everything because um, uh, Ant is kind of banged up. He got a hip injury in the last game, but um, they have a guy. They have a guy who uh, can raise his game to uh, an elite level in games that matter. Um, and so, if this with this kind of foundation of being like a really good floor team um, and having a guy like that, sky's the limit. I just want to see it. I love it. Even Cat feels like he's locked in on defense. Sorry, go ahead, Zach. I'm going to throw out the counter-argument here that this is actually nothing. But it's not actually nothing. I'd like, okay, like it's clearly not nothing. But I'm glad Jason said that it's everything because on the scale of everything and nothing, this is nothing. Because I am not bought in on this team being a contender. They... <laughs> They have played super well, um, but as we've learned recently, what matters in the NBA when it comes uh, to the playoffs and to championships, it switched from uh, when we were growing up, and it's now focused on your offense. And I don't think you can win with a mediocre offense, even if your defense is elite. We learned from the Nuggets, you can have a mediocre defense as long as your your offense is elite. Uh, and I... I think he might get there. I don't know if it's this year. If he does get there this year, that's awesome, and I will. I have nothing against the Timberwolves, so this isn't meant to be hate, just realism. Ant is a beast, so maybe he'll get there as a late-game guy. I don't see him as an elite late-game creator and scorer yet. Um, that said, Cat is showing signs, so if he has a second guy to go off of in, in late games and they can develop that chemistry throughout the rest of the year, they've been showing the last like two weeks, then maybe. But... I'm I'm still on the uh, they're not a contender train yet. Fair enough. Fair enough. No comment. <laughs> so go ahead and move on. <laughs> Dan, I'm I'm going back to you with this one. Milwaukee currently has the 22nd ranked defense in the league. Something or nothing. Oh, that's definitely something. And I'll lay that at the feet of uh, Adrian Griffin, actually, who wanted to reinvent the wheel with uh with their defense right if it ain't broke don't fix it stick brook lopez and drop let let the wings swarm but also with it um not having drew holiday as a as a clamp down defender their point of attack right turns out malik beasley is maybe a little bit different than drew holiday when defending opposing point guards and so it's not all Adrian Griffin's fault, you know, to be to be fair, but it's definitely something, right? So between Malik Beasley and Dame, right, not exactly known as a stout defender, um, they lack the confidence in, in the defense, right? Because you, you get confidence when you know what you're doing, and clearly this team does not know what they're doing on defense, like, whatsoever. The players had to go to Adrian Griffin basically beg him to be like hey we need to have brook lower <laughs> on we need to have we need to have brook and drop and yeah they they don't know what they're doing and so that's something and that is not a problem that's going to be fixed anytime soon i think yeah definitely definitely were exposed a little bit on defense in that pacers loss in the semis of the in-season tournament um, Zach, let's kick this next one over to you. Uh, we alluded at this earlier. Denver has, has lost their last three games in a row. That's with Jamal Murray back for at, at least, I think, two of those games, if not three. Something or nothing? It is a minor something. Simply because seeding in the West is going to matter. That home court advantage is going to matter. So the Nuggets need to make sure they're at least in that top four, preferably in that top two if they... They want to have all of those advantages they had last year that led them to the finals and to that championship win. Otherwise, I don't think it's huge. They're going to figure it out. They're starting five. 
has incredible chemistry. You can barely, well, I guess the Celtics can. You can't really create a starting five that's more perfectly fit together. But uh, so, but it is it is a little something. You need that seating. All right, Dan. This is our second to last topic. Kyrie. I don't know if you guys saw this. Kyrie is out indefinitely with a right foot injury. It's a right heel contusion. The the play is pretty nasty. If you guys go back and rewatch it, Dwight Powell basically falls directly on his leg from midair. It looks incredibly painful. He was taken out in a wheelchair from the arena, but I think he appears to be at least okay. Um, for I, I would say specifically, Dan, for the Mavs, something or nothing that Kyrie is out indefinitely. I'm going to say something. Because while Luca is incredible, they needed Kyrie's specifically offense because they don't really have any depth like anymore, right? And so they're still they're still doing like pretty well, but I think that they are going to miss like Kyrie, and I think that they're gonna drop off some. Now, of course, is when Luca is gonna probably go on like a six game forty point scoring streak and the, the, the they're just gonna rip it off but yeah i think it's something all right D- jay do you have something to add do you guys have something to add to that well we're definitely not making all nba now now we can blame the injury now we can blame the injury though so i'm just saying like he may not qualify for like the games the games limit so we could just be like, oh, no, he played more games. <laughs> oh, darn it. What? I, I was just oh, going to say that I think it's a nothing, but pretty much for the same reason Dan thinks it's something. I think the Mavericks were already trending toward what we thought they were going to be and not this elite team. They're going to finish in that 6-10 to 10 spot in the West, and they're going to have to play up to, to have any chance of contending. Um. As long as this injury doesn't become anything more, I think it's nothing. They were always going to be that team. They're going to be. That's what I think. Anyway. Yeah. I, so a really, really small sample size, but I was looking at some lineup data last night. Um, so the Mavs, their their lineup that has played the most minutes is Kyrie, Derek Jones Jr., Luka, Grant Williams, and Lively. It's got a negative 2.8 net rating. And it's interesting, granted, again, so that's 99 minutes versus 36 of this other lineup. But when you swap out Kyrie for Josh Green, it's an 18.6 net rating. So it'll be interesting to see, granted, again, all those minutes could have come be- uh, could have come against lesser opponents for sure. But it'll be interesting to watch and see if the Mavs skip a beat at all or if it's like, yeah, they don't actually really Now imagine that, that same t- lineup with Josh Green in there. But you take out Derek Jones Jr. and you put in Pascal Siakam. What do we get into now? Now we got I like that. going, baby. Yeah, I like that. I want to go yeah, back. You going? <laughs> there it is. I want to go back in time. I, I want the Mavs trade. That's my answer to your uh, to, the, to the question I was waffling on. Oh man, I love it. Well, we gotta we gotta send this last one over to our our guy Jason. Even though this take is probably not going to be uh, very unbiased, but that's okay. We're going to let him cook a little bit. Our last topic is Joel Embiid passes Nikola Jokic on NBA.com's Kia MVP ladder for the number one spot. Jay, something or nothing? I want to say nothing because I continue my crusade against media uh, voted awards. I I don't think they are really very meaningful. Um, But I will say this. It is something just because it reflects just how well Joel Embiid is playing this year. He is having the best year of his career so far. Um, and the, the degree of difficulty uh, when it comes to getting people to vote for him over Nikola Jokic this year after what happened last year is going to be basically insurmountable. Um, Jokic would have to, like, I don't know, barely qualify for the award and play like half the season the way he played the last week for Embiid to have even a shot um, because because MVP is, an, is a narrative award and it's all about like what people think. Power resides where people think it resides, as, uh, as they say. Um, so, but it, what, it, what it reflects is that Joel Embiid is an absolute destroyer of worlds. He would absolutely deserve another MVP this season. Um, check out these numbers. Just 33 
uh, 11 and six assists, um, which is two more assists than he's averaged in any season of his career and way more than most seasons in his career. Um, yeah, 63% true shooting. Um, just unbelievable. How many free throws a game? It's where he's taking like 12 free throws a game too. I mean, he's getting to the line like crazy. Not in a bad way. I mean, that's yeah, a, good, that's a, just, that's a good thing. Well, yeah, because you, you can't, you just can't guard him uh, uh, without fouling um, in, a, in a, any kind of effective way. And he's shooting 87% from the line, which uh, is the best, also the best of his career. Um, he is continues to be uh, one of the best players in the league, top three player in the league. Um, but obviously none of this is going to matter until it matters. And uh, But I do, I feel more optimistic this year about how the season is going to end for him because I believe in Maxi as a co-star when it comes to the approach um, in the playoffs. I do think they still need that one piece. I don't even think it needs to be a star like Siakam or DeRozan. They just need that like third guy wing scorer. You might be able to say that Harris is that sometimes, but I think they need someone who's just a little bit more versatile. Um, I What Joel is doing is absolutely incredible. And so it's, the MVP discussion, especially this early in the season, is almost a non-starter for me. Like, let's wait till like 50 games in when we do our our midseason awards and all that stuff to have our first conversation about it. Because like, you look at uh, the stats, and they're basically exactly the same as last year. Like, okay, Jokic is number one in every category you could possibly think of on the advanced side, and Joel is just like putting up insane stats for a big guy. I'm especially impressed by the six assists per game. He's improving as a playmaker, which is awesome for a guy who's already into his prime, solidly in his prime, to still be developing aspects of his game. It's awesome. I will say it might come down to, in the end, what the records are for the teams. If both of those teams stay around four and the OKC stays up at two, maybe it gets to one, I'm going SGA because he's my number three right now. Boom, uh, landing groundwork. Caveat, one caveat about the advanced stats is that um, – and I, I obviously have my gripes with advanced catch-all stats anyway, but Joel has passed uh, Jokic in PER, number one in the league in PER. 33 yeah, I saw that. I, I Jeez. Number. It's insane. Absolutely insane. Jokic, Jokic passed uh, Embiid in all of the defensive metrics, though. Not that's, Last year it was just wild. like that, that plus-minus one. And people are like, oh, well, yeah, just because they have a good defense overall and whatever. But now it's like all three of the main like advanced defensive stats. Jokic is, is up at the top of the league. And so I don't know what to think because of the eye test, you know? It's still like he's, he's, he's good. He's good, but not great. All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap up with, uh, with Dan's mud pie moment of the week. Dan, what, what stinky sloppiness have you prepared for us today? Okay, I'm going to start out with my honorable mention, which was the there was a report about Zion, right, who we talked about at the beginning, and the Pelicans decided to leak a little bit about their uh, off-season encouragement of Zion to improve his diet and his conditioning. And according to the Pelicans, Zion was like, I think I'm just going to ride the zip line again. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was... <laughs> so that's my honorable mention my real one okay you know how much i hate trey young which is completely valid we're aware because (laughs) because he's the worst and right we're becoming this is becoming a pro tyrese halliburton pod right we love tyrese we love everything he stands for he plays with joy he shares the ball actually makes shots when he takes them incredible we've been here here. we're not becoming we've been here (laughs) yeah amen (laughs) and there was one shaquille o'neal who was interviewing tyrese halliburton after the in-season tournament uh semifinals and by the way there are a bunch of great interactions between Stephen a smith and basically everybody on the inside the nba cast during that it was incredible Stephen a just spent all of that getting dunked on But anyway, I digress. Shaquille O'Neal turned to our beloved Tyrese and called him Trey on air. He turned him. He was sitting. I completely missed this. Oh, my God. The disrespect. Tyrese 
Tyrese Halliburton was sitting next to him. It wasn't like an on-the-court interview. It wasn't like after the fact, him referring to. No, Tyrese Halliburton was sitting right next to him. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, my guy Trey. And Tyrese is just sitting there like, and Shaq, Shaq is like, oh, I'm sorry. There's all the cannabis behind me. Come on, Shaq. How dare you? How dare you? First of all, how dare you refer to our beloved Tyrese as the villain Trey Young? Ew. Get out of here. That is my stinky mud pie moment of the week. I like how you said, first of all, and then there wasn't a second of all. <laughs> can I, wait, can all, I give the second of all? That's it. Yeah. Can I give the second of all? Uh, Shaq did that, I think, because until last year, or until 20, yeah, last year, uh, Shaq was a minority owner of the Sacramento Kings, who I will not hear anyone say that that is like a win win trade anymore. I'm not, I'm just not going to hear it. That was a mistake. <laughs> They should not, I don't. They should I can't argue with it, the fact room. that it was a mistake. However, I do just want to point out: I don't know if Tyrese would have become what he is now had he been playing alongside De'Aaron Fox, and they were not going to trade De'Aaron Fox. So there's a little bit of a sliding door thing here, but I agree. Like he's definitely way above Sabonis, in my opinion. I think it would be fun to have both of them right now. I think, <laughs> I think, I think it could work. Like flying up uh, and down the court. It'd be crazy fun, but would the would the would the Kings be any better? I don't know about if they'd be better right now, but like you'd have options. Like they knew they saw Tyrese Halliburton in practice every day. Like they knew who they had more than anybody else. And if they knew that they had this guy, then you're talking about options. Then you're talking about potentially I mean, moving on from Fox, I guess potentially, because I think Fox has been incredible. MVP candidate, but Halberd's at a different level. Yeah. He's like, I'll go back at some point and look at the Davion Mitchell uh, draft to see if they had taken somebody else, if that would have changed things at all. Because Davion, he's he's been buried on the bench now. Like, if they had drafted a a big guy or a wing that could have done more, that would have been interesting. Which is something I don't understand because every time I watch him play, he looks good to me. He doesn't, he doesn't shoot. Super well, and I guess you need shooters when you have Fox. Well, Fox has improved a lot as a shooter. But when you have Fox and Sabonis, you're trying to have shooters around them. But, man, he's so good defensively. And I don't see him, like, doing terrible things on the offensive end. They don't ask him to do very much. I don't get why he's not playing on a team that needs defense, especially uh, on the perimeter. I think you can't. I think the trouble is you can't really play Malik Monk and Davion Mitchell at the same time just because that'd be a tiny, tiny backcourt, even yeah, even true. as good as Davion Mitchell. I mean, Malik Monk has been pretty dang good this year. Anyway, for our our Kings podcast, uh, listen in uh, during the week now. Um, we're gonna go. We're gonna go ahead and wrap things up there. Let Jay go back to sleep, get a little nappy nap in, and uh, we'll we'll get at it again next week, boys. All so right, all right, back. all right, man. Good to see you. Colorado School of Mines. Colorado what was that? Go Colorado School of Mines. D- uh, Division two national championship game on Thursday. Oh my gosh. <laughs> didn't, didn't catch that one, fortunately. Uh, incredible. All right, boys. We'll, uh, all right. we'll chat next week. See you guys. Yeah.